Jesus uttered these words 2,000 years ago. How are they going to beat ISIS? I don't think it's going to happen. But, but he has these bizarre ideas about what Christianity stands for and what it means. Atomic bombs and the second coming of Jesus Christ. And when he does, you will no longer be a homosexual, but you will be a heterosexual. And that's what it means to be white. To say that you're standing on your own ground and standing on somebody else's and then mystify the whole process. This is Profane Faith, a podcast that engages faith on the margins. Faith that has been labeled profane, nonconformist, and or out there. We'll be exploring the intersections of the sacred, secular, and profane to find God. We won't be trying to answer difficult questions. Rather, we'll be engaging them and asking better ones regarding faith, race, gender, and religion. I'm your host, Daniel White Hodge. Hey, hey, what's going on, folks? Another week. Yes, that's right. Out there, it's your boy, Dan White Hodge, Profane Faith. Thank you for tuning in, really. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you are taking advantage of uh, this podcast. If you're listening, if you're a regular listener, thank you. Welcome back. If this is your first time, thank you. Welcome to Profane Faith. Uh, You can check more of us out at whitehodgepodcast.com or feel free to check out the uh, other episodes here in whatever format you're listening to. Um, got a host of material and, um, yeah, I hope you're doing well. I mean, this week has been, oh my gosh. Um, a couple of things on my mind and I'm excited to get to my guest this week because this, his book, his new book, his life fits in so well, just the, even the title of it, right? Bad theology kills, um, you know, that, that fits in so well with what we're dealing with now. Right. I can't even believe that we're actually having a conversation about quote unquote, or even not even quote unquote, but just even the hashtag, right? Uh, put America back to work or America back to work. Um, I'm I'm not blown away because I, this is something that I've looked at and something that I've, in terms of just my, you know, part of my own research and just the impact of media, the impact of, uh, of, of somebody, you know, the celebrityism that is uh, white, you know, you know, the celebrityism, excuse me, that is uh, created inside of who the Trump industry is. And, you know, it's like my good friend and uh, colleague, Dr. Andre Johnson says, you know, rhetoric matters, right? Uh, Trump's got us talking about, you know, really dealing with overlooking the clear hazard in front of us. And the fact that some people even think that, you know, all the conspiracy theories that are out there, all the the. um you know, uh, the folks that are saying, oh, we're going to be going back to church. Although that one pastor, I probably shouldn't be laughing, but he, uh, you know, he was African-American. He ended up, uh, I think he ended up passing away from COVID-19. And even from that, I mean, there are people on the right uh, who are, you know, making some crazy excuses. I don't know if you heard Dr. Phil's, um, you know, his, his rant this week uh, in regards to COVID-19 and getting people back to work. I mean, it's just... It is redonkulous, y'all. Redonkulous. In fact, I, let me just let y'all hear how crazy your boy Dr. Phil uh, really is. Check this out. 
250 people a year die from poverty. And the poverty line is getting such that more and more people are going to fall below that because the economy is crashing around us. And they're doing that because people are dying from the coronavirus. I get that. But look, the fact of the matter is we have people dying. 45,000 people a year die from automobile accidents, 480,000 from cigarettes, 360,000 a year from swimming pools. But we don't shut the country down for that. But yet we're doing it for this. And the fallout is going to last for years because people's lives are being destroyed. Um, yeah, I mean, again, this is just more rhetoric. I mean, you know, it's like you kind of known, you know, a lot of this bullshit existed. You kind of knew a lot of this, you know, madness was out there. I think to hear it and I think to, to see how much it actually gains in popularity and not only that, just how much the the nuttiness and really the batshit crazy, the far reaches, the outer perimeter, really the fringe ideologies are making their way into the uh, the mainstream. Um, and that, those are the things, honestly, that, you know, uh, it's not to the point that I'm losing sleep, but it's definitely to the point where I'm like, huh, what does that mean for the next decade, right? Um, even if somebody wins, you know, in, in November, right? Even if your Uncle Biden wins in November, um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. This is, this is, yeah, this is some, 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 this is some maddening shit, right? Because you have, you know, people that are marching down to the Minnesota, um, uh, capital with guns, all white, mostly white men, uh, and, um, that are out there, you know, protesting because, you know, they're saying that this staying, staying, uh, this shelter and home is, is a violation of their rights. I mean, y'all. We are really, <laughs> we really having these conversations nationally. And I think the reality of it is, is that the reality of it is, is that, you know, the goal here is not to get to, I mean, this is, this actually goes all the way back, um, into, uh, Nazi propaganda. And I know, you know, I don't want to, you know, be all extremist, but I just, this is a quote from, uh, Joseph, Gr uh, Goebbels, I think it, that's I'm saying it right on propaganda. He says, he said uh, there was no point in seeking to convert the intellectuals, right? For the intellectuals would never be converted and would anyway always yield to the stronger. And this will always be the man in the street, quote unquote. Arguments must therefore be crude, clear, forcible, and appeal to emotion and instincts, not the intellect. Truth was unimportant and entirely subordinate to tactics and psychology you may just have to repeat that put that on pause and and, and like rewind to hear that because i'm telling you this the propaganda rhetoric is that shit matters and it is powerful because we are now in that situation now right we're having just rhetoric that's thrown around dangerous rhetoric that's thrown around um because truth is unimportant uh, it's, uh, it's, and, it, and it's tactical. It's dog whistles, right? The nonverbal and the verbal message. Uh, it, it is, it is the ludicrousy that somebody like Dr. Phil is still listened to, right? Um, but it's part of where we, we've come, what, what we've come to and where we've come to, um, given, you know, the engagement with 
all the things that we call now, you know, social media. We call, you know, hashtags. How many folks are connected? Hopefully, y'all are taking breaks. I'm trying to take breaks. I really try to only post stuff uh, for the podcast. I, I don't know if that hurts my listenership or not, but, you know, uh, I try to watch actual news or read actual news, not watch actual news unless it's, you know, it's um, on my device or something. But actually, you know, have a subscription to the New York Times, Washington Post, L.A. Times, Chicago Sun-Times. So I'm like, I want to be informed. I want to know what's going on. But I also want to actually look and see what, you know, journalists are saying and not what somebody retweeted um, and not, you know, some, you know, current hashtag. And so, um, yeah, some interesting times. And so I think I'm trying to line up uh, Brother Andre uh, to come out and uh, have a conversation with us in regards to that. I was trying this weekend, but uh, he didn't. Uh, he was he was caught up with stuff, and it was all good because I was kind of last minute, and I knew I needed to get Kevin's stuff out. And I and again, this all just kind of just came together. And I was like, all right, we we do we running Kevin Garcia's stuff uh, this this week, and uh, I will get uh, brother Doctor Andre Johnson on uh, very soon because he has a lot of good stuff. You don't follow, already follow him on Twitter, uh, you know you follow him on twitter because he is uh he's he's got some good stuff to say and he has a really good wit about him um, and how he posts stuff so check that stuff out but i'm excited to have uh brother kevin garcia in the house he's a digital pastor creative mystic public theologian and intuitive soul coach he's based out of atlanta georgia they graduated from uh, Christopher Newport University in 2013 with a BM in music education, and they have been everything from a barista to a corporate office worker to a nonprofit professional since then. After coming out in the fall of 2015 as a queer Christian, Kevin has reached thousands of individuals across the globe through his writing, his podcast, A Tiny Revolution, and through his YouTube channel. Kevin believes that telling our stories set others free to tell theirs. He's presently a candidate uh, for a Master of Arts in Practical Theology, emphasis on worship, preaching, and the arts from Columbia Theological Seminary out there in Atlanta. And they are also in, uh, the, the creator of Queerly Beloved Apparel. I, if you haven't checked that out, put that link in the show notes. And Big Queer Adventure Company. Um, in addition to LGBTQ advocacy, Kevin's passions include good music, tacos, and really horrible dad jokes and so uh i sat down with him now this was a while ago and i do apologize kevin if you're listening i, I apologize profusely uh there's a lot of these uh interviews that i did uh, back in the fall in uh preparation uh, for here for season four um have unfortunately gotten pushed back and different you know you know it's like with this whole COVID 19 i wanted to get some folks on with that and you know, here at the Profane Faith, I try to stay current with the times, and sometimes that means I record stuff in the head. If you anything about, if you know anything about the podcast world, you know I try to keep a lot of folks that I talk with. You know, try to keep a uh, almost an inventory, if you will, of, of uh, you know, so that every week I don't have to you know, like be scrambling and figure out, oh, what am I going to talk about this week? Um, but sometimes, you know, with uh, stuff that pops up, it just happens to be and. Um, that you know i just able to line some some things up and then you know we go with that particular subject and so unfortunately uh kevin's got bumped and here we are in freaking april uh, having this conversation but uh, his book is out and i think this will be great for all of us just to listen to and check his story out uh and again go check you know read his book and check it out and see what he's got to say in regards to that because again this is uh we are in an interesting uh 
nefarious time, if you will, um, in regards to what we believe, how we believe, um, how we receive information, how we disseminate information, how we digest it, um, and ultimately how we, uh, you know, move out on that. What are the behaviors that come from that? So I think these are important times to be paying attention to certain folks. And Kevin is definitely one of them. And I'm so excited to have Kevin on this show today. So without any further ado, here we go. And again, as always, check out whitehodgepodcast.com. You can tell your smart device, or I think it's a, what is it like an Alexa? You can tell Alexa to uh, play Profane Faith. Uh, They'll pull it up and uh, you'll be good to go. So uh, check that out and wherever you get your podcast at. Thank you all for listening. Got any questions? Hit your boy back. That's right. All right. Enjoy this conversation, y'all. Stay safe. Stay safe. And uh, uh, really uh, look through the information that you're getting out there. All right, y'all. Peace. Well, Kevin, welcome to Profane Faith. Thanks so much for taking the time and coming on the show. Pleasure to be here. Excited to be here. Thanks for asking me. Man alive, this is uh, this is great. This is like a, a dream come true, man. You uh, you have quite the presence on online and all that good stuff, man. But for those who don't know you, man, what uh, what's life been like from you know birth to now? Birth to now. Um, the <laughs> short version. <clears throat> Come on. Short version is I grew up in Southern evangelicalism in a lovely home. Uh, my uncle was a pastor. My mama was a worship leader. Wow. Um, and oh yeah. So practically a PK, but like, you know, we were definitely like the, we're in church four to five times a week um, for whatever we're involved in, depending on the day, you know? Okay. Um, and, you know, I always knew Jesus loved me. Age nine, got baptized into the faith of my own volition. Um, and always had this, like, really, really deep connection to the spirit, even at a young age. And hmm. um, so fast forward, I am 14. I realize that I'm attracted to boys. That sets off a whole a wild chain of events of, like, oh, my gosh, wait, no, this is not good because Christians can't be homos. Um, oh man. And cause that was my thing was just like, I was, uh, I was so scared. So, uh, fast forward a year later, uh, I come out to my parents through some pretty painful conversations. I get put into reparative therapy and I buy into it because I desperately want to be right with God. I desperately want to be right with my family. And, uh, you know, 12 years of ex-gay therapy, newsflash. Wow. Didn't work. Doesn't work. <laughs> Um, and you know, I've ended up on this side of things. So about four years ago, I was working for Adventures Admissions as one of their interns. Okay. And uh, I was coming out at the time, like I was like working my way towards my coming out process. Um, at the end of my time there. Uh, and it was pretty clear to me that me coming out was not, I was not going to be able to stay. Um, for two reasons. One, my supervisor asked the time, asked the question, so are you going to be a practicing homosexual? And I said to him, I said to him, um, well, yes, because eventually I want to be the best in the world and go be a professional homosexual and then go to the homosexual Olympics because that's how (laughs) these things work. Oh, Um, I did not say that to him, but Lord, 
it was a uh, it was just after that conversation I'm like oh I'm out of here like they they don't they don't want me um so uh, I moved to Atlanta with no job no money and no prospects and absolutely no regrets about leaving that place for sure um man and uh, I, I've since I've been living in Atlanta, I started talking about my experiences as a as a queer person of faith, and I, I'm in the middle of finishing up my last year of uh, I'm at uh, what is it called Columbia Theological Seminary. Ah, like, what yes. is the name of my school again? <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm getting my Master's of Arts in Practical Theology and um, launching a, a whole bunch of new projects recently. Working on my book, um, just. Honestly, uh, we are in the midst of the glow up. I think this is what it's called. Um, as you go from like your early twenties into your thirties, I'm like, oh, you know, it's amazing how far you can come in ten years. You oh know? my gosh, man! But yeah, so like, but yeah, so I do uh, spiritual direction, life coaching, and I make stuff about being queer and Christian on the internet. Damn! All right, so you, man, that's, you've, you've uh, man, that's you've you've covered a lot of ground there. Let me back up. So, this uh, conversion there, man, ten. You said ten years. Twelve. Twelve. Yeah. Dear Lord. Mm-hmm. It was uh, it was very interesting. And so, what's so interesting to me is is a couple of things, is that. I can't, there's the key moments that really stick out to me are like, sure. I did all these like weird things. Like, um, we did like, I was never like abused by like physically abused by any extent, Yeah. but the mental and spiritual abuse was like pair, like unparalleled in my opinion. Um, like we, I, uh, you know, we had, I had a few exorcisms done on me. Lord. I'm talking like, Oh my God. I know it was wild. And I'm I'm like, I don't think this is how this works. You know, I, yeah. like the demon of homosexuality is not even in the Bible. And that's what you guys are going with. Right. So I DK. <laughs> um, oh. So there was that there was um, I was a missionary for a small stint trying to, you know, do the right thing. So God would fix me. Yeah. Um, I was in different men's groups. I had an inordinate level of accountability about my sex life and how often I masturbated. Because oh, yeah. that's what they were really, really concerned yes. with. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. It was a. Uh, it was it, like it, it really took me probably the past three years to really undo a lot of the hurt that I I picked up in those spaces, and I will say like, and that's also the reason I am starting to do the work that I'm doing is to create more spaces for queer people to find healing and to process the religious trauma that we've gone through. Because a lot of us, even people who like haven't been a part of religious community for a long time, still have hurt and still have pain that they've not uh, let go of because they haven't been able to let it go. You know, we've got a bunch of hurt people running around the world. And so uh, I want to fix that. I want to be a part of healing that, that, that hurt so that we can start to getting to work on more, more interesting things than just surviving. Yeah, no, I mean, I in, in absolutely. In fact, I was uh, talking. I forget uh, it was either Emily, who, who's my, my partner, my wife, and uh, or, or another friend. I can't remember. But we were talking about just like it feels like so much of the work within whatever movement or whatever you want to call it is is is, is repair work, is survival rather than you know looking at mm -hmm. I me. Mean, so much stuff that's it, it feels like every day is a new problem mm -hmm. with you know our white supremacist in, in chief that, that sits in uh, mm -hmm. in Washington. So 
how have you engaged, you know, and how have things ramped up for you? Um, or maybe they haven't. I'm, I may be assuming there since the 2016 um, election. Like, what's that? Mm. What's that? What's that look like for you? And especially with just the amount of rhetoric and hate uh, that's just like I said, it's, and it's I, mean, I feel like it's always been there. But, you know, uh, now, 2016. Now it's just on full display. Exactly. Yes. Mm hmm. What's that been like? Yeah. What's, what's been going on? And then I definitely want to get into some of the work that you're doing now. Yeah, sure. What is so interesting is like, we just refer to that night as the incident, like yeah. election night 2016. So yeah. me and all my friends, we went to what we called a coronation party. And, you know, we were all wearing our best pantsuits and like doing picklebacks and like legitimately <laughs> getting ready to like, oh, my God, the first woman president. Wow. You're right. But you know what they say when you assume. Yeah. Makes you a Democrat. <laughs> we assumed. We assumed. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. so um, that night, I think. For me, it was like. I can't believe that this every single day I wake up and it's like, I both can and cannot believe this is happening. Just like, just like my, my outrage hasn't gone down. My shock level hasn't gone down. And that I think is a good thing because it's really, really easy and sometimes necessary to tune out and like to take care of oneself. But the fact that I'm still mad, I think is good because you know, there's a lovely saying that says, if you're not outraged, you're not paying attention. Yeah. So but I, I will say, like, my work has turned in the past four years since the election. I guess it's only been three years. Oh, wow. It's been, it really just feel like it's an eternity in hell. Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> um, I think my attention has turned toward, um, I think a lot of my work early on was, I want to be the person to reach evangelicals. I want to be the bridge builder. I want to be somebody who is trying to make like the logical statements and logical arguments for queer inclusion and justice. And yes, what I realized is that, um, uh, uh, conservative folks, um, evangelicals, religious fundamentalists are not really interested in logic and they're not really interested in, in facts or data. I mean, that's pretty obvious. And so for a while it was like, okay, so like if it's not facts and data, maybe it's my story. Maybe if I just focus on like telling my story really well, that's going to be the thing that's going to, to, to change people's minds. So like I was a part of non-affirming Christian communities for like the first two years that I was out trying to do like this work of inclusion. Yeah. And what I found was that like, um, my friend Miles asked this question, how many cups of coffee does it take to change a pastor's mind? Um, <laughs> and the answer, the answer is organizing because, okay. um, because like it's too often that like, uh, you know, these, these well-meaning pastors who want to be loving towards their LGBTQ brothers and sisters, hallelujah. Right. Um, right. they, they, uh, they do this thing where like they emotionally masturbate to our stories. And what I mean by that is like, they take in and consume uh, the stories of the marginalized and feel like that is the work itself. They feel like, oh, I've got a friend. Kevin's my friend now. You know, Dan's, Dan's my black friend. So like, it's cool. You know, I have right. a gay friend. I have a black friend. And that's like, that is my, <laughs> thank God I'm a friend to them because where would they be without me is what I hear every time I hear that. <laughs> um, but it's a... Yeah. Uh, 
but I think that is a, that's a lot of where my work has changed is like, rather than trying to have these one-off conversations with pastors, my work has really changed towards, I want to be a part of like a larger conversation happening within like, I don't want to sit down and have a one-on-one with every single pastor. I want to have a one-on-one with like Judah Smith and all these megachurch pastors to talk about how they need to be clear about their policies so that we can end the hurt that's happening against queer people. Man. Um, because I, because my heart is to stop the suffering because that's what's happening in real time. And if we can reduce harm on the way to full inclusion, that's what I want to do. And the other part of my work I've been really focusing on is um, I, I the, the, what Mickey Scott Bay Jones would kind of call it like um, movement chaplaincy. Okay. And a lot of my work I'm finding is like, I'm building these spaces where I find myself in spaces that are definitely outside of traditional church spaces. Um, and it's all, it all tends to be people who like we out here doing the work we're organizing in our local communities on our, on our college campuses. Um, and I find myself in this like very interesting pastoral role. So like my work, I want to build spaces and create spaces for queer people to find healing and, and thrive. Um, and so I think that's where like, you know, I'm not as angry anymore. I think, okay. I think the past four years, like I was really, really pissed. Like I'm outraged, but I'm not angry. Um, like I, it's one of these things where it's like, I don't have time to be angry. I have to go, we have to do the work being angry. gets being angry about something. is just a distraction for me, that's unless you're going to do like the Audrey Lord, where you like focus your anger into something productive. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, I mean, I, I'd, I'd love to, yeah, to, to maybe break that up a little bit. Cause I think I'm, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out like what is, and, and what is, and what does that look like, particularly for mm-hmm. seasoned folks who've been, you know, who, you know, folks who was in the sixties and seventies, but then you've got folks who maybe are, you know, born or were born after 1998 and are trying to figure out, okay, mm-hmm. how do I get involved? There's this, this internet thing, there's hashtags, there's websites, there's this, what is, what does some of that work look like for you both on the ground? I mean, mm-hmm. I, I look at it, at least for me, and you, you, you share your point, at least for me, I've looked at it as kind of both what's called an air assault and just a ground assault. Like, you know, you got the day to day and the grind that you got to do, but then you got the air assault and wherever that may be, whether it be, um, mm-hmm. you know, the internet or whether it be voices or workshops, whatever. Um, but I don't know. What does that, what does that, what does that look like for you? I guess in, in the, well, I, I'll, I'll get to what I'm, 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 I'm pushing at, but I'd love to hear your perspective on that. Um, before I get to the other, other part in, mm-hmm. in the broader stuff, but, I, but I'd love to hear just what you, you know, just the day to day. Mm-hmm. Um, well, a lot of my, I hate using the term content creator because like, it's such like a millennial jargon term and yeah. like, but I am staunchly a millennial. So like, I guess I can't really like shy away from it, but doing blogs and podcasts and videos, um, the past summer has been pretty wild for me because I've been working on this new business venture that I'm working on. Uh, so my content has been slowing down a little bit. However, uh, on a week to week basis on like at my best, it's like a video and a blog, uh, and a podcast. And usually I've been doing this thing recently where I'm actually not, I'm not even like posting a blog. I'm just actually writing like 300 words on Facebook about something that I'm thinking about okay. or some sort of spiritual revelation I'm having in the moment or something that I'm learning or like advice that I would be giving to like some of my coaching clients. Um, and not in a way to like, you know, pontificate towards people, but like, you know, this is something that's helping me. And if it helps you, then great. And so it's like, I want to create this because hopefully it'll help somebody. 
And I'm not even like, it's so much more, like, it's fun for me mm. to create this stuff rather than, because uh, like the more people is like, oh my gosh, I never thought about it this way or I never heard spirituality talked about this way. Or yes, I also still struggle with shame around my sexuality and gender. Um, God, the number one thing I found with every single person I've interacted with through my work recently is that everyone's still afraid of hell. Like everyone mm. is scared shitless of God. That God, like maybe we're wrong and God's sending us out. So like a lot of my work is like, let me, let's tell a different story yes. about who God is and what yes. God could be and who we are as God's people. So um, that's the, like, the, the week to week stuff. Um, I, I mentioned earlier, I'm a spiritual director and life coach. So uh, I've got my clients and I'll, um, I've, I've, their, their goals are various and different. Everything from like, I need to come out of the closet to uh, I am someone who is uh, married, attracted to people of the same gender, but I'm married to, uh, I'm in a heterosexual marriage. So I have to mm. figure out what that means. Um, I've got people who are working on opening up their relationships, people who are working on finding new and deeper spirituality and groundedness, uh, divinity students, um, pastors that I provide pastoral care for. So it's a, it's a good use of like my pastoral care skills that I've just developed over a lifetime of being in the church. And then um, additionally, my own spiritual practices and questions that I get to ask just to say, hey, like, what do you think the deeper thing is here? Like, what, what do you think God's trying to say through, like, through you, through your body and through your work? Um, yeah. So that, and uh, hopefully this new project I'm working on, which I'm calling the Big Queer Adventure Co., um, we're going to be creating summer camps and retreats um, and road trip experiences. And hopefully in my wildest dreams, international travel experiences for queer people to find the space to ask these deep questions too, so that it won't be just, you know, this one-off opportunity with people who can afford a service like coaching, but people who I want everybody to be able to come and play, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, man. I mean, this is, so this, this is good stuff, man. This isn't, it's encouraging. I mean, this is why I like talking to folks, man. I think it's easy to mm -hmm. get wrapped up in our own bubbles and our own spaces and just, I don't know, sometimes, I mean, part of why I asked that question and just in here and wanted to hear that is, is, you know, man, I mean, I, I don't consider myself that old, but I've been around long enough to know that, man, it, it, it feels like so much of the stuff that we mm. thought we were making progress 30 years ago on or 20, even 25 years ago on uh, to only see um, that, you know, come the 2016 election, it was just, you know, it, it felt like, man, at, what were we working towards? What what was going on for real? I mean, mm -hmm. and so, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's easy. I don't know. I'll speak for myself. I, it's easy for me to... Um, to lose hope in, in certain regards. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, and, and it's a day to day right. thing, but it's like, my gosh, um, <laughs> you know, my, my wife works for an organization, the national network of abortion funds. And so just, just mm -hmm. the ongoing, uh, fight and struggle just to, right. to, to have women have full control over their bodies. Not just what a concept. <laughs> right. Right. What a concept, you know, and just, Folks who, and and not even necessarily going in, I mean, right, the A word, like, you know, the abortion word is like, but, you know, what, what if you want to have, you know, just, you just want to have your tubes tied, you, you know, should, should Congress be making a decision about that, you know, for that? I mean, so, 
hearing and seeing just some of that and then just, you know, of course, within any, any movement or within any, you know, uh, consciousness, there's always the issues that you have to deal with within. What are, what are some of the things that you feel like you run up against uh, just in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, are we going to call ourselves this? Are we going to are we going to define ourselves this way? I mean, what are some of the things that that you run up against, or or maybe not? Maybe you don't. And that's what again, that's I'm genuinely asking. Um, yeah, that's a great question because that's the question I'm asking myself right now. Is like who who am I? Because I think like in my heart of hearts, I'm still Christian, and I'm also so much more than Christian. It's like mm-hmm. um, because you know. Uh, I'm I'm quite, I'm very much someone who's like uh, concerned with and like dedicated to interfaith work and to you know solidarity with religious minorities who are persecuted, our Muslim brothers and sisters, our friends in the Baha'i faith. Um, and you know I'm also you know like all these other mystic woo woo millennials out here. Like I you know I read tarot and I've got my crystals over yonder. So it's like what do I call myself? Hmm. You know because if to be Christian means I have to adhered to the apostles creed. I don't ever say that because I don't know what I believe about God, the father, the almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, Um, or about, you know, a virgin birth or about a literal resurrection. Like to me, a belief system is unimportant in light. If you're, if you're, if the way you're living is um, shitty, like, you know, you can have like the most incredible, you know, statement of faith is like, I believe Love is the answer. I believe love can heal the world. Okay, but what does it look like? Yes. So for me, it's just like um, Jesus asked the question, who do you say that I am? And so like if people look at my life and they see, you know, Jesus of Nazareth and great, I'm a Christian. And then if you, you know, see me uh, posting like these Twitter uh, or like these uh, tarot readings on Instagram, like, you know, and you see the devil, then great, then I'm hanging out with the devil. I really don't care what you think because what I'm doing is living my full connected divine life. I really don't care what y'all are thinking these days because I I think that's also like something that's very cool is like, I feel very free. I don't feel like I have to impress anybody and I don't really uh, wonder about getting canceled um, because I think what's very interesting, um, I think Nadia Boltz Weber said that, um, it is the everybody's superpower. No, no, woke. No, she said wokeness is like a video game, and the only points you get are when you like tear down people on your own team. Oh, you know, like that's what the progressive Christian movement is like, kind of becoming. It's like we're. I feel like it's like in a teenage phase. Like we're all on the brink of maturing, but like we still don't know how to handle our lives, which I think is like, you know, a product of our trauma that we still need to work through. Mm. Anyways, going back to the actual original question, because I have a tendency to ramble off in different directions. You on it, brother. You on it. Thanks. Um, Things I run into, I think, um, you know, there has been so, I I think it's really interesting. In the past four years since I came out, like I went to one of the first Reformation Project conferences. um, And that was the weekend that really my life changed completely. Um, And those spaces are so few and far between that like, we're still like getting like every single year when I go to the Q Christian Fellowship Conference, 50% of the people who come are new. That means there's 500 new people who are moving in some sort of direction of inclusion, either for themselves or for their friends and family. So that to me says like, there's still 
work to be done. Like we're still running into the same questions around like, well, how does the Bible work in light of these new kinds of lenses of interpretation, you know, or like, you know, or like, you know, even within like the queer Christian movement, like, um, how do we make space for people who are side B if that's what we want to do? Mm. How do we talk about sexual ethics and what, you know, like, I, I think for a long time, like the goal for a lot of us was like, oh, I want to get gay Christian married so I can be okay and like make my thing. And then we're all realizing, oh, I don't know if I want to get married at all because marriage is an institution like everything else. And so it's like, so how do, how do we honor these things? How do, mm. can we, and can we still be Christian in light of these things? And again, I'm not concerned with a label because at the end of the day, I am going to do my work. And if y'all want to come along with me, hell to the yes. And if you guys want to try to stop me, um, I mean, if you want to go against the universe, I mean, come at me, bro. <laughs> That's but like, right. I'm sorry that I'm anointed, you know, and that my role here on this earth is very specific. And I think it's one of these things where I've just become so... And I don't say I don't mean to say that as like to sound like conceited or condescending or uh, big-headed, but it's one of these things where it's like I I feel like I've heard the call of God so clear on my life in the past year mm-hmm. that I am no longer concerned with how it will happen. I just know that it will. So I show up and I do my work and uh, and you know a, if a door opens then I'm going to walk through it. Um, but it's one of these, I guess it's like where I find myself now within within the work is it like, I feel like there's so many of us who have noticed like, why are we trying to fit ourselves into a system that no longer works for us, that doesn't even want us? You know, why are we trying to like uh, change some, change people who don't want to be changed? Um, and I, I think that was a shift in my perspective. I'm just like, I'm so over like trying to convince people to love me because I am beloved. Mm. Mm. I, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, it's, it's a waste of, yes. like, if I have to do that, you're not ready for anything else. Ooh. And so my, so my work has been like, you know, I'm going to find the people who, who, who want love and need to be loved and can tell them how to love themselves. And once we do that, then we can actually start doing some more work. So it's, it's like, I think it's the same thing like what Jesus was doing. He's just mm-hmm. like, I really don't care what you guys, like, you know, you teachers of the law are saying. Like, in fact, he was like, woe to you, teachers of the law. Like, you are causing these little children to stumble. And I'm like, that's what so many of, you know, the people in movement work are doing. It's like, we're no longer interested with trying to reform the system. We're just like, woe to you, teachers. You know, you make a, you make a yoke too heavy for anyone to follow. It's a good way. And so, it. yeah. And I'm, I'm so much more interested with like turning an about face from the table of the empire and the table that the king is sitting at. I've been listening to this really great podcast um, from the, uh, the Reverend Dr. Jackie Lewis and Mama Ruby Sales called Women Taught God. Okay. Okay. And Mama Ruby Sales said in the first one, it is not an honor to eat at the king's table. It is a soul wound. And so every time I think about people who, you know, for so long, so many of us were like dying to eat 
at the church's table, like the yes. king's table, so yes. to speak. And we were just getting these scraps. We were getting these crumbs. And we're like, but we're hanging out. We're good. We're here. Like, you know, we were, we're wearing the skinny jeans. We're on the stage. We've got the good haircut. We've got the great friends. <laughs> Not realizing the entire time that when you can't be yourself in a space, it is a soul wound. And when you exclude anyone from the body, it is a soul wound because you are missing a part of God. Mm. And so when I think like when I turn around to about face from this institution and look out into the wilderness, like what I see is like, oh my gosh, he has prepared a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. How funny is that? Mm. And I just, I turn in like, that's where all my friends are. Like these, like, this is the place where I've really found belonging is in this space that like, you know, maybe I'll end up in a, in like a regular church forever one day as a pastor, probably won't. But it's one of those things where I am so much more concerned. Like, you know, sure, we run into like all like the systemic issues that we run into. And also, I am completely convinced that we can overcome them. Mm. Like, it just like, there was, um, I'll say one more thing and I'll stop talking. No, no, no. Back in my, back in my missionary days, um, it's it's very interesting how like, even something as horrible as that, like, you know, God peeks through the cracks of stupid things that you do. Um, but I remember one woman we were working with. I know in hindsight, she was definitely a queer woman working to help women out of the sex uh, sex trafficking in, in Thailand. Um, but she said, um, I believe that God can change my country. And mm. those words have stuck with me for so long because like she believed it. And she, for her, it was not even about like... Uh, her, uh, you know, the, the, the political place of Thailand, her people, you know, God could change her people. And when I think about um, our country and I think about Christians and I think about, you know, what has transpired over the past, you know, 2000 years of ch the church's history, I, um, I sometimes wonder, do I believe that God can change? Like, of course God can, but God will, will God. Or is God doing something else? But it's one of these things where I have to believe that better is possible. Otherwise, like, and I think better is possible. I'm just like, anything's possible. You know, we think we, we think that Jesus came back out of a grave. That's pretty crazy, if you ask me. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I mean, and I, I love that. I mean, I love this. Yeah, I love your theological, just the, the way you bring in to real life. Um, that's, you know, very encouraging. I think I know that for, again, for me speaking for, solely for myself, mm. leaving a very fundamentalist background and rigid, theologically rigid environment, it mm. was very easy for me to just throw, you know, however, wherever you want to say it, baby out with the bathwater, the kittens out with the milk. I mean, it, 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 it was, it's been a journey to try to come back and what, what can I reclaim you know, what can I reclaim theologically, spiritually? Um, right, 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 right. It's, and it's been, I mean, for me, it has been a struggle. I mean, it, mm -hmm. uh, I, you know, cause I can't listen to black Baptist music anymore. I can't listen to you mm -hmm. know, the, the gospel music, you know, all that stuff. I, I just, I, but there's, there's been other spaces. And, and like you said, it's like, man, there people are obsessed with hell. And I, and I, every now and then I get that. It's like, um, mm -hmm. it's like a faint headache it's like a faint not even headaches faint um migraine pain that comes to shoots there like am i am i wrong am i gonna like burn in hell like when i die at the moment it's i die a, yeah it's a little bit of a triggered response isn't it yes yeah man God. 
Yeah. And so, yeah. So those are, those are the areas, I mean, I think theologically that I know. And then just having, you know, general frustration with <laughs> churches that are, you know, led by great and well-intentioned, you know, white folks. But, you know, we're still reading evangelical conservative Trump supporters, right. you know, for Bible studies. And I'm like, wait, you, we just did a 10-week, 12-week series on on race and decolonization and now we're still reading this come on yes <laughs> it's like how do y'all not see this it's like it, it, it's one of those things are just like there's so many opportunities to show that like to really show off that you've done the work and it's like okay so when someone presents you with something that's problematic what should you do you should say oh this is good information thank you for telling me what can we do better Right. That's like basic allyship 101, bitch. <laughs> That's right. Like, I'm like, just like, you don't need to be defensive. No one, people are rarely trying to stay mad at you because like, no, like being mad, like everyone's like, oh, everyone, oh, all those BLM people, all those, you know, gay rights advocate. No one, what did one a drag queen activist? That's what that one lady from Ohio called the community. Drag queen act. Drag queen actress. Oh, she she blamed the last two shootings um on oh, yeah, uh yeah, yeah, gay yeah, marriage yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and drag queen activists. I'm just like, <laughs> you are right. The people who have been trying to get gun reform so that this person could not purchase an assault rifle, yeah, they're the ones who caused this. You wonderful child of God. Oh you. my gosh. Yes. Yeah, I, I I did hear those narratives. It was I've had to just tune a lot of that stuff out for a long oh, time yeah. as, as, you know, as an educator, as somebody who tries to listen to all sides, you know, I would follow right wing radio, but I just, I haven't, I mean, I just, I, I just can't, I mean, this it's, yeah. just, it's so toxic, but yeah, I heard a few of that like, Oh, it's because of the homosexuals that are being allowed to marry in this country. I'm like, y'all for real, like that, like so, literally, are you kidding me? Like they're paying their taxes. Like them getting married is them being like being able to be tracked by the government so that the government can more effectively take their money. That's how marriage works in this country. Right. <laughs> right. But what what do I know? I'm just uh just a casual bystander and observer. Oh man. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> and so, okay, so this is good. I mean, so how have you navigated some of this? So I I love what you say. I mean, about, you know, like there's just some people that have, you know, I, I'm just not, I'm not going to convince them. I don't feel like having a conversation with them um, by mm -hmm. proxy for just of what I do um, in terms of, you know, being a, a professor. Obviously, you know, I get all kinds of folks in the classroom. It makes it, it there's another layer that gets thrown on that uh, by being mm -hmm. at a private Christian self-identifying as evangelical university that, you know, which the denomination it's a part of has got, complete ass backward theology on human sexuality um mm -hmm. you know that may that adds another layer so i'm curious I, have you had to engage with any of that i mean it sounds like you're doing a lot of entrepreneurial stuff which is great um <laughs> i i like mm -hmm. uh, i like the idea of being our you know our own bosses in, in that sense and whatnot but you know I, I mean have you had a nuance with any of that has anyone like called you like hey we want you to come speak and you know be a chapel and you know we're we're we're, we're working through uh, the gay thing right now you know because i still get those offers like hey we're we're reading a book on hip Pop, can you come out and talk to us and like <laughs> start listening to Lecrae? So, oh my God, yes. Um, I have been fortunate enough in my work so far. If I've ever gotten asked to speak somewhere, 
I'm very intentional to ask like, what's the, what's the room like? Cause like, if it's a room where I need to not be dropping F bombs, like then I won't do that. Um, but like, you know, it's like, it's been like college campuses and uh, you know, little thing. I, I, I preached up in New York at a church on Sunday um, and, you know, going a couple other places. So generally like when I go places, I just kind of, I let people know. I'm just like, I don't, I do not edit myself down for anyone. So if you're hiring me, like we will work to make an event like and like a speech like what you need it to to be, yes. but you like if you say, like if you tell me, don't talk about like for example, a few years ago back when Gay Christian Network was still Gay Christian Network, there was a memo that was sent out to all of the uh, the workshop leaders that it was right after the 2016 election. So this is January 2017, and the memo said that speakers from the main stage and workshop leaders were encouraged to, to steer away from political language because some of the donor base of GCN still kind of skewed conservative. And those conservative people all also are the ones who had the money. And I was just like, oh, no, you did not ask us to do this. Um, <laughs> right. And so... Uh, not only did so many people like fight, push back on this, um, but Gene Rob, like the Bishop Gene Robinson got on stage and said, can we talk about the fact that 84% of evangelicals voted for Trump? That's unacceptable. And I was just like, yes. But um, anyways, uh, even, even with that, I didn't edit myself down. It was one of those things where like, if you don't want me to say something, then you should probably just not let me come because <laughs> you know, I, you're not paying for a portion of me. You're paying for all of me. Um, and that, that's just kind of what it comes down to. Like, I, mm -hmm. I, I think there was a time when I was really okay with, you know, needing to play respectability politics. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, to a degree sometimes like, you know, like it's like, we're always thinking about how we're interacting on social media. Um, but it, it's one of those things where I'm not, I, I don't feel afraid of being, I, I'm not afraid of being canceled because I'm not afraid of being wrong. So like if somebody can bring me like information to give me new information, I'm so willing to change my mind. If I make a mistake, I'm willing to apologize for it. But like, I'm not going to edit myself down because if something needs to be said, I think like there was a, there's something I've thought about one time, like, you know, you know, when God's like, put, when God puts something on your heart for you to do it, you know, just respond to the Holy Spirit. That's what we would say when we were mm -hmm. evangelicals back mm -hmm. in the day. Oh yeah. And the thing was, it's just like, it's, the problem is that not that I did not believe my, my, uh, my spiritual parents is that I did believe my spiritual parents and I followed that. Um, but I wonder sometimes, like, what if God asked everybody else in the world and you're the last person? Mm. And like, and it's just like, there's something that, that God wants to say in the world. And what if you're the only, like, what if you're the last person? And then the world would be deprived of that. And I'm like, I can't, can't allow that to happen. Now it's probably like a mystic-y woo-woo thing, but I, um, I don't know. I'm never afraid of being wrong, I guess. Um, yeah, because it, it's mostly because I know eventually I will be, and like I'm able to take correction, and that I think is the mark of real good spiritual maturity. And I'm not again not trying to toot my own horn, but 
it's something that I wish so many other people would learn. Yes. Like, and that's also like, I think that's how you're able, one is able to stand within integrity is like, you, you stay true to what you know, you always tell the truth. And then when you mess up, you say, you're sorry. Hmm. Like that's, that's all we can do. Yeah. And I, and I just wish that people could like get their egos out of their way. Like, like for example, the other day I got my ass handed to me on Twitter because I said that I was going to block people who like were ragging on Marianne Williamson. And like, granted, like I get that Marianne Williamson is a very controversial figure for a lot of really, really good reasons. And all her, all the critiques coming her way, valid. And also a return to love saved my life. So people can be, you know, more than one thing. I don't know where I'm going with all this. It's just, it's just, I feel like there's like, if we want to really heal, we really need to start loving each other better and forgiving each other more. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't have good boundaries, but like, I don't know. It's, it's a, I think the anger is exhausting. Going back to that first, very first thing, the anger for me gets exhausting. Yeah. I'm much more interested in, I want to have fun. Like, why are we having fun guys? (laughs) If I can't dance in your revolution, I don't want to be there. Emma Goldstein. There you go. That's great. I love it. I love it. Cause that way, I mean, that was good. Bad. I think you answered that. That's going to be one of my questions. Like, how do you, how do you disagree within you know, parameters of people that, you know, you love and respect and admire. I mean, it's like, you know, we're all human. We're not, you know, we're not going to always all agree on everything. And it's like, you know, I think there's the extreme points that, yeah. Uh, oh yeah, uh, you know, I, I tend to look side-eye to people who say, oh, I support Trump or like, oh, I kneel for prayer, but stand for the flag. I'm like, eh, okay, whatever. Oh but, my God. <laughs> I've never, I've never heard that before. Oh my wow. God. Yeah, I saw a t-shirt yesterday. Matter of fact, it's six flags. Yep. That was some guy. Oh my God. There. Oh wait, I fibbed. I have seen something like that <laughs> and it had like. The cross was yes, there. Yes. The cross was filled in with um the Falcons logo. Okay. Just like continuously. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, why is the Falcons logo like repeated in the shape of a cross? Right. Like that makes no sense to me. It was very strange. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, I, I see some of that. I'm just like, yeah, no, I'm not I'm, I'm not even gonna go there. But yeah, I mean I think that's the 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 ability to take correction, I think, man, that's because I do, I, I find that's one of my challenges and I'll, and I'll own my own Gen Xness and never having grown up, you know, growing up without Wi-Fi and Twitter and everything, which I'm, I'm mm. honestly for me, I was, I was literally, I was, I was on the cusp of being a Gen Xer because I remember dial up. I remember yeah. pre-internet. We didn't have a computer in our house until uh, I think seventh grade. And yeah. that was, then it was, a, that was like windows 98. Yep. So like, Yep. Well, I started Ugh. with I started with Windows ninety five, man. I think things you crashed. Better. You me. better. You look you looked at it wrong and it was just it's freezing up and everything, man. So it mm-hmm. control alt delete. Oh, bro, the blue screen of death, man. I those those days were whoo. 
Um, so the yeah. wild, wild times. Uh, they were. They were. I mean, Napster. Everything was free, man. It was like, oh, oh my god, <laughs> Napster. What was the other one? Uh, it started with a K. Kazaa. Oh, Kazaa. Yes. Yo, I yes. downloaded so much American Idol singles off Kazaa. Oh, bro. I tell you what, man. I got I got a whole external hard drive just filled with nothing. Just just yeah. I went. I went yeah. Nuts. FBI, when you're listening to this, please don't yeah. come for us. It's almost a recession. <laughs> That's right. We don't, like what money you think we have. You know what? Just send us. Just send us to jail, and then maybe Elizabeth Warren will get jails abolished, and we'll be fine. That's right. That's right. Well, I mean, speaking of that, and you know, again, looking at our time, I know our time is nine, man. But you know, what are, what are you thinking about this uh, presidential election? These these folks that are running up against uh, the Trumpster. Good old. Oh my gosh. Okay. I am a political junkie Come for on. sure. I'm, I'm an NPR politics podcast girl. I listen to up first every single day. Yes. Um, I think um, I have been in Elizabeth Warren. I'm actually organizing for Elizabeth Warren. So okay. like full disclosure, All big right. Warren fan. Come on. Come on. Um, I think this is someone, I think she has integrity. Like that's the thing that comes off to me is like, she's somebody who can own her mistakes. She's somebody who, uh, is willing to to like work with people and she's also uncompromising in her values. So that to me is like really wonderful. And also her voting record, like no one can come for her voting record. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So that's, that's great. And so I really like her. Um, what's interesting is um, I don't want to say that she's the exact same as Bernie Sanders because like, honestly, I love the politics of Bernie Sanders. Um, I've always have. I think I thought I was voting for him uh, and uh, organizing for him during the last election and before mm -hmm. the 2016 election, mm -hmm. before we had, before we were with her. Yes. Um, yes. And uh, yeah. So I feel like every time the, when I'm watching the debates, I always, I see a lot of similarities between them. Um, I like Gillibrand. I think she's very socially aware. I'd love her to be on a cabinet for something. Um, and honestly, I'm so curious about Andrew Yang's, um, freedom dividend and what that could actually do for the economy. Mm. Uh, I don't want him to be president because lack of experience. I mean, just as a job interview, if like if we're looking at resumes, not exactly impressive to me for the office of president of the United States. I mean, <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, I love the, I love um, Kelsey Gabbard from Hawaii. I just think that she's got great policies. I don't think she'll make it into the next part. She's just not yeah. as well known, yeah. but I'm excited to see what her career does. Um, I know that the guy from uh, John Hickenlooper is dropping out today. Yeah, I saw that. Um, yeah, Beto O'Rourke. Um, I like him so much, and also I don't think he should be on that stage. Um, <laughs> I'm like, it's like, so I, someone put it on Twitter and said only a white man could lose his his uh, race for governor and think that running for president was a good idea. I'm like, I mean, <laughs> oh man, I hadn't heard I'm like, that. I mean, that's so harsh. I like Kamala Harris. I know she's got some, I'm, I don't personally know, like my friend, my friends have been educating me on like what, like Kamala Harris is, um, mm -hmm. her, her record. And so I'm just like, it's that gif of Oprah looking at Lindsay Lohan and asking what is the truth? You know, do you know what I'm referencing? <laughs> yes. 
Yes. Oh, yes. Okay, good. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I think that next round of debates, we'll have um, Bernie, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, um, uh, Joe Biden, which, why? Joe! Joe, man. God. Yes, yes. Uncle, Grandpa Joe, go go back to what you were doing. Right. We. Like I had such fond memories of you as Barack's best pal, and now you're just like fucking me up. Like oh, I know, I know. I was the same thing too. I was just like, dude, I loved all the bromance shots of him and Barack, and and, and you know, Barack is sexy. I was like, bro, right. what are you doing? <laughs> right. And I bet you, I bet you, I bet your ass. Like you know, Barack Obama's not gonna like, endorse anybody until like it's like more of like a, a sure thing, right? For the race, right. But I swear to God, if Barack Obama endorses Joe Biden, I'll still love him forever. But my God, will I have a bone to pick with him? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the next round of debates are going to get a lot more clear like about like the policy differences and who can actually handle an actual debate. Um, I am ready. Honestly, any person on that stage could like... It, I mean, then, and here's the thing: debates technically, I, I don't want to say they don't matter, but like it's it's pretty clear that like it's not about that. It is about like having to organize, yeah. and it's about having yeah. to like get ourselves in the neighborhoods where we don't exist. Because right now, like you know, you look at Georgia in the last election, Stacey Abrams was like she like, even though like the votes were like so very very close, and there was a ton of voter suppression in Georgia. Um, it was one of those things where just like, we are so close to like getting things right in Georgia. Mm. Uh, mm. Well, not right, but better perhaps, a lot better. But it's one of those things where just like, it just became so evident to me. I'm like, Stacey Abrams gets it. Stacey Abrams like understands like, this is not just about like uh, making sure we get the right person. We also have to make sure that like voting, like voter rights are not suppressed. Um, so making sure that we're, she's actually launched this new thing called Fair Fight 2020, okay. where they're training local teams of people to help oversee local elections to make sure that they are fair and equitable and actually reflect the needs of the communities that they're in. So I'm like, oh my gosh, this is brilliant. Because if we can ensure a fair vote, that could really actually change the game in so many places. Um mm. So I'm hopeful. I'm feeling really good. I know that, um, you know, there's every reason to have despair. Um, and so I think hope for a lot of people, like if you don't want to hope, that's fine. Like you can be cynical. I will hope for you there if you that go. needs to be done. There you go. Like I have no problem holding, holding a smile and like keep going even if it like, because like it's a, I don't know. I want I want my world to be better. Like I want my life to be better. Yes. And I want everyone's life to be better. So like, you know, I wouldn't work for some like my mama my mama told me this about relationships. She said, Kevin, you can't go into it thinking expecting it to fail. Because if you do that, like you already have a mindset of failure. That like you know, everything you're doing is just preparing for the end. Mm. And so I'm I'm thinking about everything else in the same way. Like I don't want to go into anything expecting it to to go poorly. Like yeah. if I expected it to go poorly, I wouldn't do it. Right. That makes no sense. Yes. So I expect to win. And I also believe like in, in a force of love that, that God is actually concerned about people 
and God is actually concerned about the state of the of of queer folks and black folks and trans folks and every and, and immigrants and and Muslims and Baha'i people and people of no faith and poor folks and like I believe that God loves them mm-hmm. because they're my brothers and sisters. And if I truly believe that, then like again, my statement of belief does not matter. It matters like I'm not saved by my works. I don't need them. But it's like, but what do I believe? Yeah. Woo. You know, like it. Oh, this is like what I'm like. This is uh, me getting in the face of like I just I've been in, I've been in a practical theology intensive, and that's something that keeps coming up for me is like statements of faith. Really, right. I feel like this is a chapter in a book. Right. No, absolutely. So. We just we at our school we were hammering out that and i was just like i'm not participating in that i want to see what we're actually doing like are the students you know that we have on campus are the daca students are we actually loving them? are we actually looking out for them not just some damn statement of faith i mean i, I that's just where i'm at but you know it, it, no it, and that's it, exactly it it's like if show me yeah like and that's also the thing about jesus is he wasn't asking us to like sign a statement of faith <laughs> Jesus was like, hey, you're going to go out and you're going to preach the good news and you're going to heal the blind and you're going to raise the dead and you're going to feed the poor and clothe the naked. That's what you're going to do. Ready, set, go. And then they did it. And then people were just like, but what do you like think about? Like, you know, <laughs> I, I like, do you think like Jesus was like divine? Oh, man. Yeah. Fucking Calcedonians. <laughs> Fucking Calcedonians. <laughs> Oh man, and the councils and Christendom and oh. also like, the thing is so the, the thing is so wild to me. It's just like I just believe in God. God is love and like the love of God. I'm like and like I'm just like and like also just I'm just like like so this Calvinist that I knew was like real stuck on the Apostles' Creed for a while. Okay, and I, I was like, you know, there's nothing wrong with the Apostles' Creed per se. Like you know, it's you know, it says a lot about you know what what you believe, which is fine. Um, and also it says nothing about love, you know? And like, yeah. you can't, cause like love is beyond explanation or, 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 or creed or, um, tribe tongue nation. So just like, of course you can't have a creed based on love because love is universal and a creed is very specific. Mm. Um, and so I, I feel like that was like our first way that we started cutting ourselves off from the rest of the world. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so I'm one of those things where I'm just like, maybe it's not so much important whether or not I believe if Jesus was the literal incarnate of the Christ TM, you know, he was aware of the Christ regardless of what I think about it. And, you know, and even if Jesus isn't real, just like the power of that story, the power that it has to, that it has to introduce us to God, that's worth it. There it is. Ugh. There it is, brother. Man, yeah. a lot. This is yo. This is deep. This is this church, man. We're gonna have to pass the offering plate up in here. Come on, man. listen. Come on, absolutely. Home. My PayPal is at the Kevin Garcia. <laughs> Leave me at the kidding. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That was gonna be my. That was gonna be my last question, man. Where can where can folks find you? Where can they, you know, give you that 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 grant that to uh, to get to yeah. uh, go fund me something. Yeah. Um. So you can find me all across the internet at the Kevin Garcia. Um, that's T H E Kevin Garcia and at the Kevin Garcia.com. My podcast is called a tiny revolution. Um, you can find that on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple podcasts, and all the other places you listen to your podcast. My YouTube channel is full of 
conversations about queer stuff in Jesus, um, upcoming projects. Um, look out for the Big Queer Adventure Co. coming to you at bigqueeradventure.co. Sign up for the mailing list because I'll give you 10% off your first whatever we do. That's what's up. <laughs> um, and my clothing line, Queerly Beloved Apparel, is also my other thing that I do. It's uh, an interfaith line representing queer people of faith. You can go to queerlybeloved.shop mm. to find that out. And I think that's everything. <laughs> um, yeah, I, th- I think I think we hit all the nails on the head. Yes. Um, well, and again, for those listening, uh, highly recommend checking out what Kevin has. Um, I will put all these in the show notes, whiteoutpodcast.com. Uh, you can go and click on each one and support. I, that's, that's one of the things I always tell folks. It's like, man, support us who are doing a lot of 100%. these things. 100%. Support. Because like, what is this? Says, oh, my God, I love your podcast. Right. I'm not I don't want to say prove it because I know that like we've all got like we're all struggling these days. <laughs> but if you are the kind of person who listens to a podcast, this is what I'm thinking. You are probably also the kind of person who can afford to buy your lattes. And if you can afford to buy your lattes, I'm betting you have an extra five bucks a month to it support. Is. It's podcast and keep the work going because guess what? When your creatives are taken care of, we can continue to make more stuff to that is helpful for you and helpful for the community. So it's one of those things like, you know, it's, you know, it's like an NPR station in some ways. It's like, you know, this, this work happens because you, you make it happen. So support my friend, Dan Y. Hope. Hey, <laughs> I heard that. I'll take that in a minute because you ain't lying, man. This is the gear. Gear is not cheap. It never has been. So <laughs> mm, 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 Jesus. Getting maintaining softwares, hosting fees, all that um, editing time, all that. And then on top of that, we also got bills to pay. Like, right, right. The lights and the electricity that come into these places. <laughs> yeah. My oh. AC. My LaCroix, you know, yeah, how, who else is going to pay for that? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, man, keep uh, it real. Keep it 100. This is good because also just because I've been like working on um, my manuscript, my shitty first draft to get it done. And oh, that's what I forgot to ask about the book, man. You got, you got a book. Hopefully. Oh, like my little ebook on my website. Yeah, no, well, yeah, I, I, I shoot. Well, okay. I got to link that. I'll put that in the show notes then. Well, man. yeah, I'll, that I'll one's that. like. There's a there's a pop up on my web page so people will see that. But um, I'm working on my my full length book right now uh, titled Bad Theology Kills, subtitle An Antidote to Toxic Christianity. Ooh, come on. All right. So um, and I'm, I'm kind of basing it like part of the premise is like is around this idea. I'm just like, why does it matter what you believe? Like just like and just because like, like this is like if what we have believed leads to leads to something. And so these are how these theologies have led us to these kinds of deaths Um, and just get real frank with people. And I'm just like, so like you say that you believe that, and this is what this, that, that is the outcome. I'm just like, do you really want to believe in that? It's like, and then also talk about the, the miracle of the human experience to be able to change our minds. Oh, maybe I missed this. Who's, who's putting that out or are you self-publishing that? I am going to be self-publishing because I have been floating around to so many different people to Mm -hmm. see like, Mm -hmm. and it's like the market's flooded right now with gay Christian books. And I'm like, we have like three, three. Right. And so, and so it got one to one of these, it got to this point where I was just like, I am so tired of waiting. And I also don't want to surrender any control. 
because I am a Scorpio and a type eight on the Enneagram. So, uh, so I decided, I was like, you know what? I have the platform right now and I have the connections to really have a successful go at this. And my body was just like, yes, because like I was thinking about it this way. I'm just like, you know, uh, looking at the numbers and sales for like things like Mike McCarg's book, uh, things like my friend, Sarah, even like, you know, Matthias's book, which is coming out in January on Fortress, which is wonderful. You know, it's still not guaranteed to sell. Right. And on my end, I'm thinking, even if I just sell a thousand copies, that's still pretty fucking good. Hell yeah. Like, cause most people don't sell a thousand copies. Right. So, and I know, I know that I can move at least a thousand copies digitally or published. Oh yeah, man. Yeah, so, oh, absolutely. And then I, and then I get to, I get to keep most, and I get to keep most of the money. Right. And that's the big thing, man. I mean, that's, I, as I look back on publishing, I, I had to do it just because of the, the profession that I'm in. So I had to sign up with a publishing house, but now that I'm looking at it and on the other side of, you know, all the hoops and, and ladders you got to get over, man. I'm like, no, that's, that really is the way to go. I mean, and Amazon and places like that have made it uh, super easy to, to, to create that. Like you said, you can get to keep, you know, most of that money, man. And it really does come down to sales. I mean, um, it really comes down to just like at the end of the day, like the whole reason that we're like, you know, distributing this out through a publisher is because we want, you know, we want more, like we want it to sell in the market. I'm just like, well, if you create your own market, right. Shabbat Shabbat girl. There it is. There it is, man. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm gonna. I'm, I would definitely want to. Uh, yeah. Let me, well, I'll keep. I'll keep in contact with you because I want to know when that drops. I'll definitely support that. And then uh, the clothing line. I that that was that was something that I was just that just hit me. I was like, oh shoot, I need to go get one of those shirts, man. I'm assuming y'all got Husky Brother mm. sizes. Oh yeah, we go all the way up to three X. Beautiful. All right. Cool. Because you know. Yeah. But that's perfect. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Because I will definitely be uh, sporting that on campus Yo. at different events. You know what? Can I just say like, what's so wild is so, um, I created the bad theology kills design way back when I was on Teespring. And I was like shortly after I came out cause I was hustling to, to like make ends meet. Yep. And it's still the same design and it's still my best selling design. And mm. as I was like working on this, I was like, Oh my gosh. Like when I was thinking, I was like, okay, if I'm going to self-publish my book, what is like, it's going to be called. And then someone said, bad theology kills. I'm like, oh, I had a marketing plan the whole time. <laughs> and so I'm like, wow, look at God. There she is. is wild. She's yes. wild out in these streets. She's like, I'm <laughs> Proverbs 31, a business woman. She considers the field and buys it. Come on. You go. Come on, man. Come on. That right there, man. That'll preach like they say. Kevin, thank you so much for taking the time coming on and sharing uh, here on the show. Really appreciate it. Yeah, I loved it. Thank you for having me. 